0: Oh, Recorded live. Welcome. This service is provided by freeconferencecall.com. Please enter your access code followed by the pound or hash. Access code or phone number you have dialed is incorrect. Please check your
2: credentials and try again.
1: Welcome to the Waterman Files.
2: Please enter your PIN followed by the pound or.
0: Thank you. Please announce yourself. All participants are muted and they can unmute themselves. The recording has started.
1: Welcome to the Waterman Files.
2: not alone we are in this together you are not alone
3: you are not alone ground you are not alone
2: ground you are not alone eh? we, we are in this together. together
1: welcome ground crew you are not alone and we are not in this by ourselves Welcome to the Waterman Files. This is Dr. John Waterman coming to you from deep inside the castle. Good evening. Hope uh, we're doing okay. Still doing some tweaking on our new systems here. And I'm glad that you are here. We are very fortunate to be blessed to have this show, I feel. It's a show that brings to you the experiences of a man who may have been counter to the existing status quo pretty much all of his life, begging me to do things in jobs, careers, and so forth that was wrong, and I wouldn't. And it was and has had consequences. But I wouldn't do it any other way. Today... Is June the 16th, 2016. I don't know how many days into occupation we are, but I'm glad you're here. And it's a hundred. ECB says that's a hundred and sixty eight days. Whew. Man, we're approaching the half year mark, aren't we? Hey, today, folks, only today we have a special freeze dried free shipping offer on new products from a new facility that is making freeze-dried food. And uh, you can call us. Go to simplyyourfood.com, get the phone number, make a call. If you do it before like 10 o'clock tonight, (laughs) we'll take take your calls. What is this so good? Because our chef has total, complete control now of the freeze-dried process in our new, not my new facility, but in the company that we reps new facility and it is wonderful the quality's up so they're celebrating with a sale and it's really good we've got uh, granny apples butternut squash cauliflower tomatoes all kinds of new stuff that we can offer just call us and we'll make it happen no shipping some of you live in no-tax states, too. You know that's important, isn't it, having no tax? We're going to talk about what taxes are all about. Uh-huh. Hey, you know, last night when we were on this show live, many of us began to share in quite an experience. Not not that we were talking about uh, something apocalyptic, because we were, <laughs> We were talking about the Great the Tribulation and, of course, the last three and a half years, which is, of course, the Great Tribulation. And what we were really sharing is it, it was very kind of poetic, wasn't it? Not poetic, just but just poetic. Because as we began to talk about the apocalyptic things that were going to be occurring, some of the things that we've been, you know, talking about, was starting to happen in our economy. Now, let me tell you in a brief, short, quick update what was going on. We were predicting, we were predicted too via the ALTA report that June and July were going to be these times of up and down, up and down. Right before the release of this (laughs) last report, right after I should say, The dates moved from July to June for the uptick and escalation of Bitcoin, which is a temporal marker. Not very many of us use Bitcoin. Kind of wish we did now. We have 200,000 coins, but it's not in Bitcoin of something that failed. I wish we'd have done the Bitcoin, but we didn't. Bitcoin was predicted to go sailing through the 600s last night when we were on the air we all shared in the fact that it popped through 700 mark, and we were tracking it tonight tonight it's 700 at least i'm seeing seven hundred seventy two dollars plus some change wow Here's what happened. All the things that were supposed to be occurring in July, in this new update, everything has been moved up um, a month According to with regards to the Bitcoin. Well, what was Bitcoin supposed to be? It was supposed to be a precursor to uh, gold and silver going up, which is still the case. The gold and silver going up was a precursor to the Saudi Arabian collapse, which it still is a precursor to. When that happens, the dollar collapses. So, folks, things didn't get delayed. They've all been moved up a month. And we're experiencing it tonight. And I will put a link into the chat rooms for you a very interesting link that cliff high put up in twitter tonight today just a few hours ago Let's see if i can get it to stick this time there we go and that's how can you put some money in bitcoin why would you want to put money in bitcoin folks bitcoin is it's not a investment <laughs> it's a vehicle we're going to talk about money tonight again well We have in the past, but not like we're going to talk tonight. What I just posted in the chat is called LocalBitcoins.com. LocalBitcoins.com. What's that do? You can buy and sell Bitcoins near you. It's instant, secure, private. You can trade Bitcoins in 13,000 cities, 249 countries, of course, including the United States. And here's the Twitter, the last one, and it's what uh, the twit. Let me put it this way: four hours ago, here's what Cliff I said. Just to warn you all, some real volatility is coming to Bitcoin soon. I think we're seeing it. He said, "Wait for the rush through 1,000 to 1,999." Dollars per Bitcoin because that's what's going to happen. he says, so you know if you bought it now <laughs> that'd be you'd be making money, but don't do that. just get Bitcoin operating for yourself so that you can have a working account so that we all can trade and do work you know do underground economies on bitcoin because even unlike u p m a There's no names, no addresses, and nobody tells. Kind of like being in Las Vegas, I hear. (laughs) So if you want to see the price for Bitcoin delivered to your hand, go to LocalBitcoins.com. There you go. So talking about a little bit of the news, here we are in our show watching something very important. I want you to not underestimate the sobriety or the sober event that is occurring. This is the temporal marker that was to be the fuse that lights the coming epic event of the collapse of this country's fiat currency. And we're watching it live as we are in this show. It's just absolutely incredible. Thanks for coming, though. Welcome, whether you're calling in on uh, the uh, free conference call or whether you're on through TalkShoe, whether you're on a phone or on the computer. One of these days, free conference call will be on the computer, so you don't have to use your phone. And you just turn it on and listen. We'll have that going after I get through all this new technology that's been thrown at us, and <laughs> me, I should say. But I am so glad that you're here. Let's talk about what's going on. We have a lot to talk about tonight. You know, I was only going to do an hour's show because my throat started hurting again. Yes. You know, I can't even get, you know, they give you this Obamacare crud. I can't get a doctor to take us. Or me. <laughs> Susan, having in trouble, too. But what is the problem? <laughs> they hate the system. Now we've looked, we went through almost 30 doctors before we could find somebody. What do I need? What I need is access to assessments and, uh, you know, do things like uh, x-rays, ultrasounds, lab tests for free. Hey, I paid for it. I should get it, right? Well, finally I found a doctor. So 1.30 tomorrow I go to him. I'm going to make him take a picture. Give me a picture. They tell me real bad news. I go, okay, forget it. You don't know what you're doing anyway. I'll I'll do my own thing. <laughs> oh, gosh. So anyway, uh, so tonight, as I began to get ready, I thought, okay, I'm only going to be able to do an hour. Right before I started to get on, my strength returned. This is the most bizarre thing, and I'm chronicling it, knowing that maybe there are other people out there that are having similar issues. You know, there's going to be people that I get to help because I went through it, too. I've already been through one serious one. So let's let's talk about what I really want to talk about tonight, though. And that is America. Last night you heard about the tribulation. We went through all the verses. You heard all the bad news. You knew that there was going to be an economic collapse. So, one of the things that I told you, though, as we were reading it, is you're not going to know how to interpret that book called Revelation unless you know who you are. Here's what I would like for you to do, though. There is a reformation of Israel to the West Migration chart that you can get for free. It's a nice sized chart. It shows how Israelites left the Canaan land, went through Europe, and eventually into America. Where settled in America were Irish, British, Swedish, Germans, Danes, Scots, Norwegians, go on and on and on. French. Who are they? They were the Israelites. And you can get something else from somebody I'm going to give you an address to. You can read a little booklet, this little booklet. Let me see here. It's about 20 pages. It was written by Dr. Wesley A. Swift. Dr. Wesley A. Swift, and the title of the booklet, or the book, small book. Is the appointed place. Tonight we're going to explore what was happening when America, who knew they were actually Israelites, came to this country and what kind of economic system did they bring with them. Do you feel like you're being blessed as far as a nation? Do you feel like God has not blessed us economically? No, he hasn't, has he? Well, to get these, you can get these free. You can get a free map, a migration map. You can get this booklet, The Appointed Place. So write this down. It's way, here's the name, here's the, you can get your free gift, and you just write to Way in the Wilderness Ministries. Way, W-A-Y, in the Wilderness Ministries. Here's the address. P.O. Box 322. P.O. Box 322. Roachdale. R-O-A-C-H-D-A-L-E. Indiana, Rochdale, Indiana's zip code is four six one seven two. Write to them; <clears throat> you'll get these little books. You'll get this neat map. This really nice-looking map. It's uh, color, not not multicolor, It's it's in color though. And uh, that's where we're going to start. By reading on this map's uh, legend a piece of uh, of, of, uh, a scripture verse that has been put there. And this piece of paper is one of those big sheets, you know, one of those, what is it, uh, 11 by 17. It's It's a big enough sheet you could frame it, I guess. It's migrations of you and I, the Israelites. And here's what Second Samuel 7.10 says. Now, it's printed in blue, and then it has red on white paper. That's what you need to know. <laughs> here's Second Samuel 7.10. Moreover, I will appoint a place... For my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness affect them any more as before time. Now that's a promise, but what's part of the promise?
0: As long as we stayed his. Have we stayed God's country? No, don't
1: think so. So what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, it's very related, folks. Extremely related. Oh my, where did I lay it down? I put some pretty nifty notes together. And you know what I did? I have probably covered them up somewhere. Okay, got them, sorry. (laughs) Uh, I see, I got them, thank you. So let's start by talking about some scripture. I'll just give you the references and the topic. We have to start with who we were. Last night we had to start. We started with the apocalypse. And like I said, to know what was going on in Revelation, you have to know who you are so that you know how to say, well, Gentiles are not the white, the non-Jewish people. Gentiles are non-Israelites. That be black, that be Chinese, that be Jewish. Israelites are are not Gentiles. The white Anglo-Saxon race is not the Gentiles. They are the Israelites. Make that note, mental note. So who would Israel become? Historically in the Bible, we talked about this historical application last night. One of the three applications. Remember, we have historical application, inspirational application, and doctrinal application. And that we're supposed to take the Bible literally, unless it's impossible to take. Israel was to be a great nation. Genesis twelve, verse two, has, and so I'm gonna, I'm going to juxtaposed America, and what Israel was supposed to become. And you ask the question: Is that little spot speck of, of uh, parasitic? debris called Israel today, fulfilling
0: they have become a great nation nope have the word great as part of her name genesis twelve two <laughs> nope, not them they are to be a people regathered
1: in a new Home. Let me give you all the references. Amos nine nine, Second Samuel seven. oop yeah. Second Samuel Samuel ten ten. or seven ten. Excuse me. Where's that new home? America. And it was to be a kingdom. Second Samuel seven, verses twelve through sixteen. Jeremiah thirty three, verse seventeen. And they were to, they were to have these this heraldry and emblems as their nation. What is the emblem of Israel? Two triangles on top of each other. A s- stupid six pointed star, by the way, which happens to be Babylonian Luciferian origins. So, what were the emblems that Israel was supposed to have? A lion and a unicorn. If you look at the European Western civilization's heraldry, (laughs) there's lions and unicorns all over those shields of heraldry, all over the flags. Yes, because Western society, Western civilization was to be many, many great nations. We got all this... Through a promise, folks. It was called the Abrahamic Covenant. Let me just go back and give you a little bit more, too, here. I'm not going to take the time right off the bat here to go into too much, but I'm going to tell you a little bit. (laughs) The Abrahamic Covenant can be found in Genesis 17, verses 4 through 7. Basically, it says it has this promise to Abraham and all of his seed. The covenant, folks, was it couldn't be altered, it couldn't be changed, it was to be everlasting. So, you know what? That must mean it exists today, right? Well, that covenant was made not only with Abraham for him in his lifetime, but for his seed and forever. His seed, which included Isaac, <laughs> and through Isaac's son Jacob. and of course, God later changed the name of Jacob to Israel. and you can find that in Genesis 35:10. So all of Israel's descendants were inheritors of the covenant, and they were all known, of course, as Israelites. Now, Jacob had twelve sons, each were ahead of their own family. These families developed into twelve tribe nations. We can go through some you know Game of Thrones drama about the twelve tribes, but basically, folks, it was always that the eldest son was to inherit the land given to the Israelites who was to hold it in uh, uh for the family, all of his brothers, all of his sisters, and all of the children that were born into that whole family. We're going to talk about that. That's called the birthright. It's kind of this special blessing. But this was the covenant that the Father gave Israel. The house of Israel was also to have a kingdom. And a throne. And we knew his name. We know his name was, well, you know his name. His name was David. There's only two places on the planet that claim to be descended from the throne of Israel and David's chair or throne the fake Israelites, the fake Jews of Israel, and the Queen of England. (laughs) now somebody's lying (laughs) somebody is lying through their teeth how about the Edomites over there in Israel acting like Israelites see Israel remember was to be a great nation and mighty nation Israel is not a mighty nation that's in Genesis 18-18, Deuteronomy four. Israel was to have a multitudinous seed. Is the Jews the Edomites have never really those that call themselves Jews? They're not multitude. They have a cousin, kind of a half brother, that you and I might call Muslims slash Arabs, and they're a multitude. But that's not. We all know they're not Israelites so who's the multitude that came out well it was that became many nations israel was supposed to spread abroad to the west to the north to the south even to the east that's in genesis 28 verse 14 isaiah 42 5 and 6 <laughs> israel's not done that they're lucky they can stay as a guest of anybody in a nation because they caused so much trouble Israel was to have a new home we talked about that second samuel 7:10 Israel's home to be the northwest of palestine not in palestine the north what's northwest of palestine that's where the new home was supposed to be Israel's new home it's called europe western europe Israel, 49, Isaac, excuse me, that's Isaiah forty-nine, twelve, Jeremiah three, eighteen. Israel was to live in islands and coasts of the earth. That's the isles, the British isles. Very interesting, huh? Israel is to be there. Well, that's Isaiah forty-one, four, one, uh, 1, verse 1, 49, 1 through 3, 51, 5. Jeremiah 31, Israel was to become a company of nations. Without a doubt, are Jews, have they established more than one nation? They can't even establish one because, by the way, Israel is not a nation. It's considered a state, kind of like the Vatican, Washington, D.C., the city of London, which they control all of those. But they're not a multitude or a company of nations. That's Genesis seventeen, fifteen, Genesis 35, Genesis 48, Ephesians, New Testament, chapter 2, verse 12. Israel was to have a Davidic king in perpetual monarchy within the nation of Israel somewhere. Does Israel over there in the Middle East have a king? Did they, you know, right now, is there a king there? Nope. Do the Western civilizations of this planet, including America, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, is there somewhere within our nationhood or many nations or company of nations, is there any nation that has monarchs? Uh, yep. The Queen of England... We've got uh, Denmark. Hey, you could just go on and on. There's several, aren't there? There's nobility all over the place. Question. Everybody goes, I don't like nobility. Nobility's really bad because it's a bad thing to have because they get abusive. Yeah, you, the, the, God said, I'm going to do this. You've asked me to make kings for you, and you're going to keep these daggum kings. And I promise you there will always be a king until I come back and give you the king of kings. But they won't always be good. So don't moan and groan at me because you want this. You didn't make me king and live and waiting for the king of kings. Now we're going to get you a monarchy. So that's what we've had ever since, okay? We've paid the price. There have been good ones. There's been bad ones, right? Good ones and bad ones. So we paid this price. But why did he say that was okay? The reason why he said it was okay for our countries to be run by a monarch was because at least he knew that they weren't Nephilim, and that at least true Israelites were in charge of the government, and that because of a monarchy, you had to inherit through genetics that position. It was pretty much... A guarantee that we could keep the control of our nations under Israelite rule and an Israelite blood, and not some Luciferian descendant called Nephilim, which today's also called Jews. And the half Nephilim would be Muslims. Actually, that's a religion. Let's just say uh, <clears throat> Semites. But I'm looking here at three pages of promises of who Israel was to become.
0: It's incredible. The prophecies that was
1: made that do not fit the speck of dust over there called Israel in the East today. So who are we? Like I said, write and get that little booklet, The Appointed Place, and you'll find out. But tonight, we've got to talk about what's upon us. And I changed my whole planned thing for tonight to this because we're watching it. You and I are in history in the making. Watching Bitcoin. Now surge up and down as it was protected with what the difference does Bitcoin make well, because it's also affecting our economies <laughs> and if you'll notice by the way, who's in charge of our banking system the jews right but but there is something called the Federal Reserve system. Now, the Federal Reserve system is actually kind of. If you're not the New York Fed, then you're nobody. Do you do you see what I'm saying? There's even a pecking order within the Jewish world of central banking. Now, they've never called the Federal Reserve a central bank because it's not a governmental central bank. It's a private institution, but they just call it the Fed.
0: They call it the Fed because... They can't call it a central bank
1: because <laughs> they kicked that out. We're going to talk about that tonight, and so King Kong, New York, rules and actually controls the federal reserve system they're the they're the big monkey in the boardroom. they're the eight hundred pound gorilla that's sitting in the big chair, okay It's New York, and who does
0: who do you think runs it? Yep, the Nephilim. Folks, we have to get a better grip on what
1: we were supposed to have if we're ever going to resurrect through what is about ready to happen, and that's the collapse. We're looking at, oh, I'm seeing today that the gold went up to $1,315. Oh, it crashed. Well, it's crashing to new higher lows, (laughs) like we were told would happen. And this was all supposed to, all this gold and silver going up was supposed to occur just as the Bitcoin went up. And what was it supposed to do in the precious metals? Two steps forward, one step back. Two steps forward, one step back. But as soon now, as I found out, as, as soon as this gets to 800... Or a thousand, I should say, excuse me, a thousand in Bitcoin, gold and silver are not going to do one step back. It's going to be up and up and up. What's the nemesis? What should I say is the nemesis then of the central banks? It's gold and silver. Because you cannot go into the vault and double the amount of gold, can you? And then hand out that. It's not divisible. You can't manufacture it as cheap as you can mine it. So it's like, oh, man, we don't want to have to do that because we can't push those buttons on our keypad. A popular fallacy, folks, about what's going on is that the money system separate from the economy and that the economy is basically just about money. The popular fallacy, by the way, let me tell you a little bit about trying to fight the system, just because it's related. When I was a student at William Jewell, which was a private college, okay, it had an endowment that has as much money in it as the University of Missouri has, and that had 25,000 or 30,000 students. The school I was at had 2,500 it had millions in endowments and so they supposedly were supposed to be a, a brainiac place with freedom to think and so forth and so they choose from the student body two candidates two or candidates if they find anybody at all that they want to choose to run for what they had was it was called the oxbridge Tutorial Series. What's that? Well, it depends on which major the people that are getting this this uh, grant or uh, this uh, scholarship. It depends on what you major in on whether you go to Oxbridge or Oxford or Cambridge. So it was called the Oxbridge Tutorial Series. There were two people chosen the year I was there, <clears> or <throat> this one year I was there. I was one of them. And then you, as an undergraduate, you had to write a paper. So I wrote a paper about a book. You had to write a, a paper about a book. I wrote a book, uh, paper about the hidden mysteries of the rainbow by an, an attorney, and I can't remember. It was the lady. I can't remember her name. And then you get to be orally reviewed by every dean in the college in a boardroom. And they just drill you with questions. And now, many of you know this story already, have heard it already. Just want to make sure you understand what happened. I was in this meeting, and they're asking me questions, and I would answer, and I'd ask, they'd ask me more questions, and more questions, and more. And pretty soon, it got down between the psychology guy and the economics department. And the psychologist looked over at the economist and said, I got to tell you. I've never seen somebody so conservative in all my life. Now, this is a psychologist doing an assessment of my personality. <laughs> and the economist looked over and said, indeed. So they asked me all these dumb questions. Pretty soon they got down to one of these questions about, if you've only got enough food for three and there's four in the boat, who, how do you decide who gets to die? And I said, you can't decide who dies because that's murder. As far as I remember, murder is still against the law. And they looked at each other and went, "Oh my gosh, this guy is blah." You know, they, "Oh, what would you do? Would you what would you do with uh, inheritance tax?" I said, I'd "Get rid of it." Oh, whoa, you know, and they, and then pretty soon I knew where this was going to go. Now the guy that it was another one of the deans that uh, was sponsored. The law students wouldn't say anything, but there was 17 of these guys. <laughs> And I knew right then where it was going. Finally, they were done, and the psychological guy says, you know, we're going to be sending somebody to a very expensive, all-paid trip, so to speak, not just to Cambridge or Oxford, but you will be tutored one-on-one the entire rest of your college career. And it's all going to be paid for. But the problem is we need somebody that can learn. <laughs> and they said thank you very much for coming. Well, after that, they all kind of just did their political talk around the tables, and I started to walk out. And the dean that did the referrals to law school came up, and he says, "I certainly hope you get what you are wanting. That's you know, like if you're wanting this, I hope you get it." But he says, "I will, I will, right now um, want to want you to know that if you don't get if you don't get this." I will sponsor you in law school. <laughs> well, find, I found out why I didn't get to go. This is a feeder program into the Rhodes Scholar Program. You know what Rhodes is. That's a Bill Clinton thing. That's what he went through. The Rhodes Program is a brainwashing program. And my major, the one that I had been assigned and was allowed to pick, was Institutions and Policy. And when I got done, they, of course, were questioning me based on that major. And when it was all done, they basically said, we cannot have you because you are too conservative. So today, I'm going to tell you about how my conservatism, if you want to call it that, or how God's economic policy is supposed to work and let you measure whether America is on track or not. Like I was saying, the word economics or the word economic system is not about money. It's about a way of life. Money should just be a means of exchange right not a commodity even as gold and silver is considered a commodity but money's just a supposed it's where you and I exchange make exchanges of value it's not a commodity money's not supposed to be it's supposed to be not used as a power vehicle over people it's not supposed to badger people especially when there's no cycle of debt release. Does the United States have a cycle of jubilee? No. The economic order, though, of this nation did have that to begin with. There are four indispensable requisites for establishing an economy under the authority of the belief that we had in our Western civilizations of divine economic systems brought to us from the father and this college didn't like it this college was also a baptist
0: college <laughs> So what are the how do we have to start with the system? Well you
1: gotta start talking about the governmental system before you can get in the economic system of divine stuff. So what was that? We already heard that there was supposed to be a king. So a monarch was to be appointed to rule under God, okay? And then he had, of course, to rule over a land or a territory administered by the crown's authority in the name, of course, in the monarch of the monarch. And people or citizens of these kingdoms or this kingdom that the father wanted to set up, they were supposed to be loyal to the monarch, but actually it wasn't loyalty to him. It was fealty to God. About This is the kind of thing that blew their minds. Okay, I'm going over why they hated my guts, okay? A constitution then underneath a monarch is supposed to be there of statutes, not codes, not admiralty, statutes, by which the affairs of the people and the kingdom are administered. So you knew at least what the rules were. If you do a a careful study of the history of our countries, there are various requisites that You have to provide for. God, although, was the king, right? He was the ultimate king of kings. And the land was needed. And, of course, in our early years as Israelites, it was Canaan. The people, of course, were Israelites. But what does the word Israel mean? It means Israel. Ra-el. Is-ra-el means ruled by God. And the Constitution consisted within that kingdom of commandments, statutes, judgments. No codes. No codes. Oh, that guy's land over there. Mm, His grass is too tall. (gasps) Looky there they put a garden in their front yard. They need to be ticketed. So, the question that we have to ask then, and I'm going to move along more rapidly here, is why is the global financial system failing? I I I think you could probably answer where I'm going. Well, today it is almost 4 centuries, folks well, it's more than four centuries, actually, from when the Pilgrim Fathers landed in North America to establish a nation that was economically debt-free. It was a system of life that gave us prosperity. It was a new country. Prosperity was basically guaranteed, except that there were certain financial powers back in London that we tried to escape, called the Rothschilds, <laughs> that threatened to and sought to maintain their power through financial control over the colonists. There was so much um, fiat failing economic systems going on when... We came, when many of the pilgrims came here, that many of the people in Europe were going, they'll never make it. We're too poor. Well, Ben Franklin was real young. He was a teenager, and he was like a, a secretary of state, and he helped establish prosperity in the new colonies. And when, whoa, when the money boys, the money barons, called the City of London, found out how well... The colonies were doing. It was like we've got to take them over. So they went over to other nations and they did this. Have I got the deal for you? If you'll take this deal, it would be a very good thing. And so that's where the dealing started. And of course, we ended up with other enemies within our own nation called Israel. Anglo Saxons began to hate our guts. But this was a new country. It had prosperity. We were a long ways from that control group. And so the birth of this great republic in 1776 resulted, and it basically was guaranteeing that our future was going to be a little bit more secure. Really wasn't much wrong with what we already had, which was a system of, Colonies that were actually independent of each other. Anyway, the development of what was to be the greatest superpower, folks, in the world was started and it flourished fairly well. We had a man by the name of President Andrew Jackson who destroyed the first attempt by those bankers to take America down. And so Andrew Jackson has on his epitaph like we have talked about before I killed the bank and that happened when he was president General Andrew Jackson in the south fought to help keep us free in a war before he became president but the federal reserve people those mongrel Luciferian city of London banker thugs, on December 23rd, 1913, passed, had gotten through a vote on the floor which was called the Christmas Massacre, and the Federal Reserve Act was waved through by proxy votes, <laughs> and there wasn't even quorum to pass this bill. The Constitution, at that point, folks, the Constitution was dead, and I'm going to prove to you why. It ceased to be the governing covenant of the American people, being lost, folks, just to these ruthless international banking thugs, lost to a privately owned banking power that was from London, by the way, we've asked and asked and asked for this organization that's supposed to be protecting our prosperity to be audited. And guess what? We've passed bills, and it won't and can't, and they won't audit because they know better. Folks, we have been at war, and we are in the most ruthless war of survival starting Last night, we saw the effects of the war. Because anything of value, anything better than fiat money is extremely valuable, including Bitcoin. It's just a hair better because it's private. And it's not central controlled. The developed world is now witnessing, folks, the meltdown of this global financial system and is happening on both sides
0: of the Atlantic.
1: And more and more of the banking world is operating on a principle of basically what in effect is theft by the few from the many, an economic Armageddon, folks, is just
0: days away. And it's because we are
1: not doing a covenant prosperity-based
0: economy that I told them in that boardroom They had to do. When they refused to accept me,
1: I went ahead and went to the great big uh, Viennese ballroom gala for, you know, the person that was picked. Yeah, I went to a stupid uh, ball. (laughs) We did waltzes, you know, and all that stuff. It was real formal. But I was so angry way back then I said I ain't going back to school, and so I stopped. It didn't stop very long. <laughs> I was mad. The developed world, like I've said, is melting down, folks. It's melting down. See, the twin towers of the World Trade Center in New York were brought down by in a single hour, September 11th, 2001. Now, that was just basically a symbolic warning of what was to come exactly seven years later in September of 2008. What was that? The financial meltdown of America. And it wasn't us melting down. It was the banks melting down. And the banks wanted more money, and they couldn't get enough without having to ask us, And they wanted this money to have value, and the only way you can have value of fiat money is for people that actually can be enslaved to pay the interest on that note to back their stupid banking system. They didn't bail out the banks. That's the stupidest name they gave it. They enslaved America by what? Making Americans... Sign on the dotted line to go in debt for the bank. In other words, they took the debt of the bank and laid it on the people. And the banks then were free of debt. They got a bankruptcy.
0: But who got left holding the debt? America you and me The United States is the only superpower in the world
1: and it is economically powerful it was well except for the outstanding 15 trillion above public debt The US national debt has continued folks to increase by an average of 4 billion dollars a day since the crash, the 2008 crash. September, actually, the 28th, 2007. In July of 2007, Rothschild was over in another country setting up a central banking system. It is, a, it is the failing system of debt that dictates that it cannot go on. The banks would have collapsed if we had not bailed them out and said, oh, we'll take your debt. Who sold us out? Not the American people.
0: Congress! They need to go to prison! They are the enemy
1: of the United States of America. And they sold you into debt and slavery on that day so they could get their pittance from the bankers to stay in power and have their greedy,
0: grimy hands suck you dry. It cannot go on. An almighty crunch point is approaching us, folks. And who is going to win? Will it be the proud lords of the banking world, the international bankster
1: finance people, or is it going to be Israel?
0: Will it be the sovereign republic of the United States?
1: What's it going to be? You don't even know where we're going, do you? I don't either. I don't know where we're going to go. But I know this, there isn't a soul that has a clue about what kind of economy we should have. And let me tell you, there is a practical outworking of God's divine economics. It
0: works.
1: Now, we're speaking of an economic system that was once actually in practical operation among us ordinary men when our country started. Its laws are found, folks, in something called the Bible. Oh, well, let's take the Bible out of schools. We can't have that. We're speaking of a law that is still a workable law, though. Even today, in spite of our ignorance, in spite of our rejection, and unknowing knowledge of It's principles. It's still there. So what policies make up this economic guiding system? Well, let's talk about it. Let's go number one. This economic law of the Lord, not not the Lord of banks, the the law of Yahweh, Well, before it did anything else, it gave a family a piece of private property. Do you know, have you ever heard of Amish people and Mennonites, but mostly Amish? Do you know that they have these farms, right, and they all kind of get in a community setting. And you'll go to one farm, and they'll be growing plants. They'll sell it to other Mennonites, but they also sell it to the community. So you can go in, there's this greenhouse, and you can get your pepper plants, your plants, blah, blah. mostly plants eat food, not flowers, okay? Well, you can get a few, but mostly they want you to, to, you know, eat, <laughs> You go to another place and there's a guy doing tack. Well, they have to have some tack, by the way, is, you know, leather work for horses and bridles and, you know, that kind of thing, and saddles. Well, they have horses. They don't have cars. Most of them have horses, okay? The next one might be doing furniture. The next one might be doing fabrics. The next one might be doing, well, fill in the blank. And they're not in town wherever they're at. They're on their own private property. Two nights ago, I talked to you, and uh, Eli talked to you, and he talked about a uh, pope that did this uh, thing about uh, uh, you know interest rates being wrong. Well, there was that pope that wrote one of the great seven encyclicals called The Condition of Labor. Type it in sometime. Read it. Literally. I don't care if he's Catholic or not. I don't care if he's a pope. It was good. Every man has a right to own property. Every man in the nation back then, when we were founded, had his private freehold. Now, back in ancient Israelite days, they had their own too. It couldn't be bought. It couldn't be sold. It couldn't be taken from him because the landlord was Jehovah. who stated, by the way, that the land was his. That's Leviticus 25:23, And he forbade that it ever be sold. He ordained that it should continue to be the property of the original holders that it was assigned to, so some Israelite that had it kept it, and he got to keep it for their descendants. And it got to be enlarged upon...
0: As the families increased. See, when a child was born in ancient
1: Israel, into the nation of Israel back then, that child was already provided for through birth, the minute they were born, the title and deed to his own estate. Let me read that to you again. The minute they were born, they had land, and they had the paperwork to it. So, is that how it is today? See, the present system is like this. Estates you know, are inherited, and they try to tax it. By reason of someone's death, you get land. Under God's law, an estate was inherited by reason of birth not death. It's very, very significant, folks, to understand that there's a big difference here. It's as important as having to say, I must prove my that person guilty as opposed to us having to prove that we're innocent. That's a big thing. Now today... Under Homeland Security, Admiralty, and all the crap that came through the Patriot Act, you're guilty. Now you must prove yourself innocent. You can't get on an airplane. You can't find out if you're on an airplane, can't get on list. You
0: don't know why you're on there, and you can't get off if you're not supposed to be on there, because you don't even know why you're on it. See? <laughs> the system is different.
1: It's significant. The difference between the two systems is exactly what I said: The difference between life and death: Other wanted it to be done. The outcome is death. It's death of the economy. It's death of the people. It's
0: enslavement of the people, and it'll be the death of you. Thus, when every child was born in Israel, they weren't going, oh my gosh, another mouth to feed.
1: They were going, yay, an increase in the wealth of the land was given. In Israel, children were in addition to the wealth of the land.
0: Not a drain, folks, that puts you into poverty. Folks, is there enough land in America today being held by the federal government
1: that every Anglo-Saxon Israelite American could own it free and clear? You better damn well believe it.
0: Right now, I don't own land. There was a time when I paid cash for a land that had a house in a real nice part of town, and I got taken away through corruption. The guarantee of individual independence is based upon the right to private
1: ownership, and it starts with private land ownership. It was the very basis, folks, of God's economic law. And it was as the family was allotted, you know, land that remained. That land remained with the family forever. It could not be sold. You could not lose it to a mortgage. It could not be seized. It couldn't be taken away from non-payment of taxes. It was perpetual, forever possession. Men were not compelled to spend most of their lives, and half of those that lose their souls just to obtain a foothold on this planet Earth. Now, I'm not saying that you are, you know, that the world owes you anything. What I'm saying is Israelites were chosen to be blessed by God and yes, if you're an Israelite, you were given land. Land was gold. Land was money. Land was life. Land is
0: still life. Not still life. It's, it's life still. They were able to live
1: as sons and daughters of the Father and live like they should live. And this is why Israel, under God's economic law, after his plan, was able to bless the world with spiritual light, unrivaled by any nation in the world in any nation in history. Of course, that divine system meant that there, that mass immigration of other races and their cultures
0: could not take place.
1: It was forbidden that they mix with other races. This was in order to
0: preserve the inheritance of the land for prosperity's sake.
1: Today, millions with their alien religions have transported themselves halfway around the world with the blessing of a half Israelite blooded president that says he's president, he's not mine, to distort the basic integrity of the covenant nations. Who are the covenant nations? Western Europe, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, America, Canada, and the
0: list goes on. Now that's just point number one. We got four of these. <laughs> so guess what we're gonna do?
1: We're gonna take a break before I get to ranting too much here. And we're gonna listen to some good European Anglo Saxon rap. <laughs> Oh gosh, let's listen to some of this good Anglo-Saxon <laughs> long-haired European youth. I like this stuff, folks. I'm sorry. I think I think it ta- I I think it's good stuff. Well, anyway, if you don't want to do that, we'll start with well, I'll I'll ease into it. We'll do a commercial and uh, on the food since we're having a special, and then you get to listen to Pascal. All right. We'll be right back.
0: No one in the family
1: will go near it. Ask someone to find something in it and you'll find
2: a less than enthusiastic response. What is it that's in your home that causes
1: grown men to power and children to run for cover? Food. Food storage. That's right. Food storage shouldn't be scary. At Simply Your Food, we are the premier providers of long-term, storable, GMO, and MSG-free meats, veggies, fruit, dairy, and pantry essentials like powdered butter. We even have a gluten-free line. Food storage shouldn't be scary. Let Simply Your Food help you with your food storage needs. Go to simplyyourfood.com or call 866-251-7511 and
0: let us take the scary out of food storage.
1: Welcome back to the Waterman Files. This is Dr. John Waterman coming back to you from deep inside the castle. I'm glad you're here. This is the second hour of our uh, 16th of June, 2016, talk about economics. Actually, a divine economic system. You know, when I got through with that interview and after they asked me to apply for this tutorial scholarship I uh, I was just really upset I don't know why something like that had me so upset usually that kind of thing is you know okay fine there's somebody I was pretty upset (laughs) I went to a conference not that summer after school was out and uh I ran into an older lady, I'm not going to say old, okay, she was in her 80s, <laughs> and she wanted to know what I was, you know, who I am. What was I doing? I said, well, I just, uh, I'm getting ready to go into law school, and uh, I said I got sponsored by a man at a college when I failed to get into a program that I was thinking I wanted and uh, so he's going to sponsor me and she says oh really she pulled out this little you know she's little shaky hands she gets her little purse out and she hands me a cassette tape she says before you go to school would you listen to this <laughs> and uh wow kind of makes you wonder when it changed my life from that cassette tape if it was actually <laughs> an 80-year-old lady. You know, it's one of those kind of points in your life. I ended up going to barrister school, not law school, but to common law school. Yes, I did. And uh, I did that while I was still interning to be in architecture, okay? I went back into all that stuff, okay? Well, anyway... Um <laughs> it was crazy. I had my whole world turned upside down. I began to see how common law and admiralty were juxtaposed to <laughs> everything that you and I want. We want liberty. We want freedom. We want prosperity. No, codes don't do that. The statutes that we, or the codes, you know, it's like, title this, title that, you know. That's not what it's about. So let's begin with the second point of divine, of God's divine economic system. And we can begin by saying that, you know, with this land that we were given, then what next is so important is the individual family unit that lives on that land. And that's why I brought up the Mennonites, they're blessed people, folks, regardless of how wacky (laughs) their religions might be and how wacky their (laughs) system of God, but they're blessed. You know why? Because they secure their land for their prosperity, and they work upon their lands, and they give of the fruits of their lands. So let's talk about that. Families were supposed to be living on these lands, secured for a lifetime, and to their f- children after
0: them for their lives. And uh, I turned off some speakers so it wouldn't feed back in case
1: it was. But today, millions of people have no clue how that's supposed to work. There's not supposed to be a tax on it. And people go, well, how do you run a government without taxing it? Well, there's no tax on the land, but it's still getting what you might call tax. The individual nor the land pays any kind of tax. They don't pay tax. Guess who pays the tax? God pays the tax (laughs) because you're free. How do you pay the tax? Let's say you have a system where, you know, you cut a deal and somebody gives you some land and you say, look, I'm going to give you a cut. And they go, okay. Usually that's called sharecropping, okay? And the people that work the land gets two-thirds and the people that own the land gets a third. Well, what do they get? They get a third of what's produced, what the profit is. Now, the guy putting the stuff in the land, he might lose if the crops don't come through. But God pays the tax because you pay a tithe from what you produce. And this is how this divine system of taxation works. It's the only real scientific basis of taxation known to keep a nation out of debt. What is that? To literally tax someone on what they prosper in, not what they have. God's taxes are called tithes. They're called offerings. They're not based on the property, but on the product or the produce from the property, folks, and the natural produce of the land which God blesses to make seeds grow into produce. It's God's job (laughs) to make it prosper. A property tax, folks, is a form of just confiscation. It's piecemeal. What does a working man's cottage produce if it's not had any production? Nothing. What's the tax or what's the tithe slash offering? Nothing. Nothing. What is it
0: in today's society? You're still taxed. If you put up with this for a sufficient number of years, you will
1: have eaten up that property, and guess who gets it? The land bank, which is not
0: owned by Israelites. It's called the central bank's. See, God's taxes are not meant to work like that.
1: God says, let me worry about your taxes by blessing you and you just pay a portion. They were not to be having any kind of property tax laid on that property Nor was there supposed to be a tax on the labor of the people. So if you're over there like an Amish person and you're making furniture and you got this stuff that you're producing and you sell, you're not supposed to be taxing it. And you're not supposed to sell it and tax it and then turn around and say, oh, I made uh, $20,000 making furniture. Then you tax that. No, that's not how it works. But that bunch of bozos sitting around that board room called all except for one called
0: Deans (laughs) they couldn't get this every individual folks
1: paid their own tax via the yield of the land Now, it's not called a tax. It's called a tithe. It's not the tax of, you know, hey, it's land. It's worth, by the way, get this. You're going to pay a tax on a land. Who's going to tell you how much it's worth? Well, the guy that sets the values. Who do they work for? The government. Who's collecting the tax for Who's supposed the the county government, the city government, the state? Most of the time, it's the county that gets land taxes, and you are supposed to elect a guy to run that. What does he do? He sets the value of your house. Oh, this year I think your place is worth ten times what it was last time. Don't like that. It's like going to the fox and asking the fox now how many eggs. How many little chickens of my my family do you want? Well, you know, you didn't give me enough to eat last time, so I want to kill six more of your chickens than I had last time. Who are we asking to get the amount that we're supposed to pay? We're asking somebody that doesn't give a rip. That's what I'm trying to say here. It's not the father with a fair system. It's an individual that says, man, I got a job and I got to pay for myself. So we've got, you know, I went to this budget meeting. I'm, gosh, I'm the collector. I got voted in as collector. And so they go in and they sit in there. And then the whole board sits down, you know, and they're sitting there and they all say, we've got to spend twice as much money this year because we all are getting broke. If you go to these commission meetings, you're usually seeing a commissioner going, hey, you know, that uh, gravel guy down the the quarry down there, if you get him, man, he'll only gravel, He'll only gravel half of the gravel you're supposed to get, even though the county's paying him full amount for the whole thing. And he'll split what you don't have, what he doesn't have to come up with, and you get part of that. You'll get half, he gets half. Man, that's a deal, isn't it? So I used to live in the county where that was going on. (laughs) There were 50 county commissioners that got sent to jail because of graph. That kind of thing cannot happen with this system, it's impossible. And I'm going to tell you why in here in a minute.
0: See when everyone's, you know, paying
1: on what they produce and if they don't produce anything, then there's nothing owed, but that's not what a land tax does. A land tax says it's worth this, no matter how good you, business you do,
0: and there's no way to avoid paying that tax. In God's economic plan, <laughs> you're
1: only going to pay what you what God blessed you with. If you had a good crop, then you paid a little more. But there was no way of being compelled to pay anyone else's taxes. The tithe or the tax supported all the public activities in the nation. The public services, by the way, included law, medicine and education. That has nothing to do with Hillary plan, Ob- Hillary care, Obamacare, the crap they've given us. They take and not give back. Law, you having to pay to go to court, and the more you pay, the more chance you have of getting off, that's not supposed to happen. You have a right to have care given to you because you can't work. You broke your leg. I can't go get my crops. I can't bring them in. Now, there was private education most of the time, but in Israel way back then, education was part of that tithe. And get this, in addition, folks, to paying this, you go, man, that's kind of, you know, that could be bad. No, there was a set amount. You always paid a set amount. It never changed. It was always the same. Certain percentage, it didn't go up because the city or the county, or the state, or the federal government mismanaged things and they need more money. didn't work. Tough shit. You ain't getting it. Sorry. In addition, a fund was formed by the taxpayers or the tithers so that they could have travel and recreation and culture for the individual and the family. So some of that money went back to them in forms of culture, in forms of recreation. God's system, folks, of taxation or economics actually left part of the taxes in the taxpayers' hands for holiday trips, seasonal festivals, for the aid of someone in need, for temporarily helping somebody that's distressed. Amish today, they might see somebody back to square one by helping them build a barn. And each member in the community has X number of pieces of wood they're supposed to keep on hand in case a barn goes down. And when that barn burns up, they come
0: over with the wood and they put it up. That's their tithe. Folks, you can really say truly say
1: that God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's a promise. doesn't mean you won't be persecuted by people outside of Israel or outside of the system. We're being persecuted now. But if we obeyed his economic plans and put it into motion, we would be having an easy yoke. Did you know at the turn of the century, 1900, the average Home size was 11 rooms. Or was it 10 rooms? Excuse me. Not counting bathrooms and closets. (laughs) That's a lot of room, folks. The yoke is easy promise is in Matthew 11.30. Wow. That makes a pretty nice community when we do it right. Thirdly, the next point as to this money or economic system under God's law, when it talked actually about money, or when there was instructions about money itself, it really didn't tell much other than what you're prohibited from doing with it. See, that's the difference between civilization where the profit of living is cash and a civilization where
0: the profit of living is life. When you try to make increase on money, then there's
1: death. That's where interest-bearing banks and loans work. Nope, don't do that in, don't do that in America. used to not. See folks usury, which is called interest.
0: that used to be a sin. And you didn't do that. Where there can be, folks, no economic collapse
1: like in God's plan, where you cannot cheat a man of his property like in God's plan, money naturally drops to its own place where it belongs as simply a means of exchange. And you focus on
0: Prosperity and making the land prosperous. It's only where the law of God
1: is unknown or the people just ignore it and rebel that money is regarded. Money is regarded as wealth. How much money do you have? How wealthy are you? My father, he owns
0: cattle on a thousand hills. The principal money law in divine economics, folks, is the law against
1: interest. That's the main part about money and God's law about money. Not allowed. It's called usury. Finance operated by a system doing that just accumulates debt (laughs) and more debt and more debt. And without regular debt release... Guess what happens? It collapses. And guess what's happening? See, the way the banks and the world of international finance have operated is basically as predatory institutions. They're not there to help us in our country by serving us a medium of exchange to use, but rather they're sucking on us. Preying on us like predators. Only thing that's going to happen with that kind of system is its fundamental flaw is that it's going to crash. And when it crashes, guess what happens?
0: The taxpayer has to do the bailout. In Israel, because the law there was a law against interest.
1: There was no incentive to invent means to get anyone into debt because there was no profit in debt. There was no business in lending out money. Money was simply a means
0: of exchange. Folks, we paid dearly from every
1: deviation, every departure from God's divine economic laws. But this law, which prohibits the creation and the expansion of long-term debt, is also that source of credit that's burdensome and the debt that burdens us down. And it's not taken out because we have this... Pressing need, but in God's divine plan, it's really just a lift, a help, a true favor, the assistance of a friend. And that's the advantage that we have when we don't pay interest. And what's the Bible say when you do lend someone money, even though it's not of interest? and they can't pay it back, you're to forgive it. So if you loan money out, God's divine plan says, don't expect it back. It's to be a gift. This is where we come into being a volunteer. Are you a volunteer? Do you feel that need? you know what that is? That's God's divine plan working in you. It's not some liberal, progressive, left wing political agenda. It's the heart of God working
0: in you. The last thing that we're going to talk about <clears throat> about this economic plan
1: is the fact that there are really are. Cycles. And this is another section of the... It's built in. It has to do with the cycle of hard times. But under God's divine law, it's a cycle of good times. (laughs) Really. The regularity with which economic panic and depression appear has... Folks, that has economists saying it's because of this, because of that, it's this, that they've got all these reasons and they puzzle over it, and they say there's this, there's this cycle and this cycle and this cycle. They studied it from so many angles, it's exhausting. And then they, of course, pronounce, "Hey, we've exposed this cycle." And it reveals to us such and such. And so they try to apply it to the economics of, you know, the trade and the stock market and all that kind of stuff.
0: Throughout history, folks, we can see that the experience and the teachings that
1: Israel received is something that we need to get back to. And one of them is this thing called the cycle, which is still there. There's no explanation needed for a cycle. The the Father didn't say, because of uh, the fact that we've left the galactic plane, got nearer to it, and the weather's going to do this, and uh, we're in this part of the universe, and and all this physical, blah, 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 and mathematical formula from the economy, we have a cycle. It's just plain regulations, basically, saying to Israel, Here's what you do. There are cycles. The cycle remains a puzzle, though, to these stupid economists. And it's because they have to approach it with, oh, let's get rid of this cycle. We can abolish it if we could just tweak the, oh, we could raise the interest rates. No, we could lower them. No, we could, hey, we could do quantitative easing. And that could get rid of the cycle. There's a cycle. God put it there. God's left it there. God's method to deal with it is the best way to deal with it. And what does he tell us to do? <laughs> he said, deal with it. Here's how you deal with it. And you deal with it just like, and it's going to be there just like
0: day and night, folks. But there are some wonderful things for the
1: individual and society at large that we can benefit Inherent to these cycles, but our generations, the ones that probably even your great grandparents had, they probably never enjoyed it. If you'll look at some statistical economic charts for the last two centuries, you're going to see that the chart lines up approximately every seven years with some trouble, some kind of cycle. And then every seventh seven years, which is actually 49 or the 50th year, you're going to see a deeper dip to this, this dip in the cycle, this bad times. It's the worst times. So this 50-year cycle, which appears every seven sabbatical years, had become the year of Jubilee of Israel, for the entire nation to practice. What did they do? Nobody planted. Nobody worked for an entire year. When I was uh, working on the farm, the flower farm, when I grew up, we grew lots of different kinds of flowers, but my, um, my relatives next to us had a flower farm, too, and they grew gladiolas. They rotated the gladiola bulbs from field to field. There was eight fields. Only seven of them were planted.
0: Every seven years, a field was sabbathed. He said it was because if I didn't do that, the bulbs would rot. But they
1: look in these cycles, and they can see that. But that was the year of jubilee. That was the year of celebration. All debts for the entire nation were released. It's this restitution, it wasn't confiscation, folks, of getting stuff back. It wasn't the leveling up or leveling down, but restoration. Debts not repaid within seven years were canceled on a personal level. But in the 50th year, corporate debt was released. We didn't bail them out and have the burden of having it on our shoulders. The banks just knew it was coming. We're not going to take it, and you're not going to charge us. That interest that our nation owes is gone. Tough, you know, just tough. This was not, folks, this is not some kind of form of socialism or communism. It was God's justice set in the freest and most helpful level for mankind, not for banks, but for people. The dollar system, folks, in the United States of America, well, it kind of worked because states behind it added the strength. They accepted it, what they could produce, what they... uh, uh, Every, everything that they could produce and all the wealth in the state backed that dollar.
0: That's all the dollar had. But we haven't had a year of jubilee. It was seven years, like I said earlier, seven
1: years from the collapse of the Twin Towers to 2008's economic crash. And that crash, folks, is still ongoing. If you add about seven years to late 2008, what do you get? 2016 is where we're at. We're seeing that cycle. The Great Law of Jubilee cast. Do you know what the Law of Jubilee is? Release of debt. That law was cast in letter in a le- was put on the bell in iron of the Independence bell of the United States in Philadelphia. Did you know that? They put that on the bell that they could proclaim liberty throughout the land and all the inhabitants thereof. It was referring to the context found in scriptures. It's Leviticus 25:10, that we see economic liberty. And that we were to experience in America a year of jubilee for our nation. And we are desperately overdue. Folks, the final economic judgment's on its way. We've been talking about it in the web bot, we've been talking about it on the air, we've been seeing it in front of our eyes. After a decade of just a decade of political turmoil, the Eurozone is just self-evident that you cannot unite a nation under one currency to, to do what? To make them pay you to have it. That kind of union was never going to be workable. It never was going to work. This attempt to establish this single currency in Europe was not going to happen because they were nation states. They were separate They were focusing on charging interest to everybody and making monetary policies to everybody. Hey, we want to control those nations because we're the Rothschild Jewish Kazarian banks of the world. Well, what's the conclusion to all this? The world, folks, is about to have an economic Teutonic meltdown. The international monetary system, which has been in the state of a repeating crisis for at least a century. We're talking about 1913 here. It's approaching this very gigantic meltdown. It's on the way. The Western world needs a divine economic system put in place. It must be reinstated when this one fails Or we're not going to make it. There's only one direction that will bring prosperity and peace. There's only one way.
0: And that's to choose life over death. But you know what's going to happen this time? I believe. This is my personal thoughts. When this meltdown
1: happens, as we begin to go through the turmoil that comes in a cycle that has been put off and put off and put off, we're going to have this great tribulation period, but we don't have to worry about what comes up next because the king of kings is coming, and he is going to make sure we damn well don't have a Kazarian banking system again.
0: You know why? Why? because they're going to be damned.
1: (laughs) That kind of concludes where I was going with what we started last night and uh, how we started this week with Eli James and the fact that you know who you are and uh, you know what's coming because we talked about the tribulation period and we know what needs to be done, right?
0: Well, now we know it has to be uh, it has to be corrected by melting down and resurrected in a divine way. There's a tribulation coming, folks. Of course, you're gonna have more World Trade Centers.
3: It's gonna get worse and worse, folks.
2: We will come to you with our weapons, and explosives. You will not have safety even in the bedroom of your house. You know, we play by the rules, they don't play by the rules.
3: We're not going to have too many victories.
1: Folks, we're not going to have any victories. It's going to melt down. I just pray that you're ready. It's been my pleasure being with you tonight. God bless you all. I love every one of you. Be safe.
2: wanting to be a secret agent. He would sit in the classroom at school and daydream about all the missions he would be sent on, and all the different countries he could go find, instead of listening to the teacher. After school, James would walk home and pretend to be calling HQ on the two-way radio he imagined he had hidden in the heel of his shoe. unbeknown to anybody else, of course. At the end of the day, he would lay down on his bed, ...announced himself that mission had been accomplished. And before his mum yelled for him to put the light out... ...he would dream of standing before her majesty the Queen... ...Riley proclaiming, In case there is trouble or we render a ...have no fear... ...because Bond is black.